I'm Carson Daly, and I practically live online. It's true. Ever since the first time I heard the dial-up tone of AOL, I've been familiarizing myself with everything the World Wide Web has done to shape pop culture, from the early dot-com days to the Web3 and crypto boom. And what I've learned is that there's a not-so-secret society of entrepreneurs, influencers, and innovators who are incubating an entirely new zeitgeist, on and offline, and I can't wait for you to meet them. So tune in every Tuesday to hear my candid conversations with internet and technology trailblazers so you too can join us in leading the next digital revolution. This is The Carson Daly Show. Hello, 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 and welcome back. Okay, so my next guest, probably many of you saw this coming, at least if you follow me on socials, you listen to this podcast, you know me at all, you must have guessed that I was going to be interviewing Mark Dale on this podcast. Mark Dale is the founder and creative director of W1 Curates. Again, if you don't know, maybe you're living under a rock, W1 Curates Studios is a first of its kind immersive venue, event space, and creative hub for creatives of all kinds to connect and collaborate. With a clear vision to make art more accessible, W1 Curates created an alternative approach from the traditional gallery space and displays art in the heart of London for all to enjoy. Mark is literally, I've said this many times in the interview and I'll say it again right now, Mark has a motor that does not stop. He is such a champion for digital art, digital artists, for experience, for community, for connecting. He's brilliant, genius. I love talking to him. I He is family and you're going to love this episode and I'm rambling now, so I'm going to shut up. Please enjoy Mark of W1 Curates on the Carson Daly Show. Even though I know you very well and I know many of these stories and I've pieced them all together, I'm going to, for the sake of everybody that's listening, we're just going to start from scratch. Take me to the beginning where are you from? What is your background? How did W1 Curates come into the world? What's the origin story? Okay, so over 20 years ago, I was working in a gallery on Bond Street. It was a traditional art gallery with a small contemporary department, which was the Fine Art Society on Bond Street. Um, whilst I was there, there was a lot of artists who were transitioning from or trying to transition from traditional art and put it in a digital format whether that was using standard screens or led or doing various different things to to showcase their art through an electrical component i.e., an led screen or something um so i saw this going on for like some time and we was involved in the production and production and build of some of the projects um I always saw the artwork and was like, wow, this is amazing, really excited. But then it, when it transformed over to LED, it just really let it down. So we kind of got on a bit of a mission to, or I kind of got on a mission, should I say, on how to, how can I make this better? How can I make it more reliable? Because reliability was a big problem as well. You'd have big name artists would sell an artwork to, the gallery would sell an artwork to a client, client would put it in their house. Then a year, two years later, something might go wrong with it. Client would phone up the gallery and say, hey, man, look, my, my artwork's gone down. They would say, oh, we don't represent that artist anymore. Phone the artist. The artist would say, well, the gallery sold it to you, so you need to contact them. 
in the meantime, the client's got a black screen on their wall when their friends are coming around saying, oh, what, what's his artwork? And they're saying, oh, that belongs to such and such. It just gave the artist a really bad name. So we kind of set out to, to one, make something that was super reliable. And then two, the more I delved into it, I was like, right, okay, there's certain things that these big manufacturers are doing to cut corners, which reflects in quality and reflects in the way the images are portrayed. So we, we ended up building or finding out um, a kind of series of, a series of components that could replicate an artist's color palette true to form. So after loads of testing, we, um, we launched our first screen, or we had a test screen, should I say. Lucky enough, I had an amazing client when I was at the gallery, and I was kind of, I was in two minds whether to start it on my own or whether to start at the gallery, because I was just a tech at the gallery, right? So I was doing loads of stuff, helping out, building loads of art projects, but never putting my name to anything, but just being involved in it. And I was a bit dubious about starting up on my own because I had various businesses before that done really well. Some did, some didn't. Um, so yeah, so it's a bit of a leap of faith, really. And the client knew what I was doing, said, look, I'm building a house. Why don't you come and fit one of these screens? So I took a chance. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I fitted a screen. We made this huge digital piece that was like six meters by three meters. And then, and then all of a sudden it just blew up. Like her friend went round, someone else went round. I've got this house, that house. So then we probably spent around five years traveling the world, going to like these amazing houses, installing these screens to show traditional art. We'd like photograph and film them, um, put their art collection up all over their estate. And then the the traditional artworks, if they were super valuable, would go into uh, would go into storage, and then it would be a digital version of traditional art. So that that happened. We was doing that for about five years, and then I I won a contract with a huge retailer to do all of their AV screens and audio, and at the same time, Flannels approached us, which is was an, a store that was just opening on Oxford Street. And said, look, we've got this store. Let's do something temporarily because we're opening more stores and we'll buy your screens. So, so I was like, yeah, cool. Let's turn it into a public art project. So we, we installed the screens on a temporary basis on a huge store on Oxford Street. Um, it's 20, 20 meters high by about 60, 70 meters wide. So we installed these screens. I started off testing for about... I got a bit carried away. I started testing for about a year, actually, like putting various different crazy stuff up before I kind of built the confidence to start inviting artists. So we, we was testing. I got to the place where I was like, right, I'm really confident in how it is. We put sensors on the window. So when it's in direct sunlight, it gets brighter. When it's in the dark, it drops down so you don't get that horrible glare. Um, these are the kind of things we were testing out and how it portrayed art in the best form rather than being kind of really like high street glaring in your face. Um, so we we done that. And then, and then all of a sudden I started phoning all my contacts up saying, look, I've got this amazing platform. Let's like start, start doing some work. And all of them, like the traditional art world is quite hard. Like all of them were like, yeah, kind of, yeah, it's cool, really cool, nice one. But kind of was like, look, it's a billboard. And I was like, well, no, it's not. It's took like 25 years to get to the place no, that's an exaggeration. It's not took 25 years, has it? It's took about 10 years to get to where we are now. 
and Lowe's has gone behind it. And I started explaining it and no one was really listening. And we got a few kind of emerging artists. Then all of a sudden I had a conversation with like David LaChapelle, an amazing photographer from Los Angeles. So he was like, look, yeah, let, like, I, think that, I think this has got legs. Let's do something. So I worked with him. He was like, look, I've never seen my work look like this in a, in a digital format ever. This is amazing. And for, I think thanks to him and David Bailey as well, actually. David Bailey, we managed to do an exhibition with him. I got those two under my belt and then we just, then we was flying. And all of a sudden we was collaborating with Gagosian. We was showcasing um, in, a, in, a, in a group show like Tracy Emin, Jeff Coons, Cause pretty much all of the traditional art world were kind of accepting what we're doing. Um, and then it blew up and then it was amazing. And, and then all of a sudden I get a letter through the door from the local authority saying, mm, your screen looks like Times Square. We want to close oh you down. God. So we had a, I'd like a two, two year legal battle with the authority that we we won in the end because we had so many people behind us. We got involved in doing like stuff with the local community. We'd done a fundraiser with Amplifier Art that raised, I think, about 240000 We'd done another one for a, a young kid with spinal bifida, which raised about another fifteen k. Um, and then we started kind of doing all these things to inter interact with the local community, supporting emerging artists. And then, and then it blew up kind of press-wise. And then when we went to court, it was like, look, okay, you obviously are an art, art platform and not a, not a kind of advertising billboard. So they kind of withdrew that. And then we went on to – then they approached us about a year later and said, we're doing a project in Marble Arch. Would you like to get involved? Um, and we did. And it went a bit wrong for them. And we kind of said, look, we can't get involved because they launched before they was ready. Um, and then they called me up about a month later because they was going ahead with a launch and said, look, we'd love you to get, be involved. I was like, yeah, cool. Let's do it. But give me full control of the inside space. And then we launched on like the 5th of September until December. And we had like 250, 260,000 visitors mm -hmm. into this immersive space that I'd done with, uh, with a friend of mine, Anthony James, a sculpture artist. That's one of his artworks there, actually. Um, so we'd done that with LED sculptures and kind of done this immersive experience. And then after that, I was thinking there's a, there's a real market in this for attracting people who are into art, not really art, into art, but appreciate, really appreciate something that's an experience, can take their children, can experience art in a different form. So that got me thinking was like, right, okay, I need, to, I need to open something. I need to do something on a bigger scale. And then, then there was this huge wave of digital art. And I was going to various different art fairs. I went to the Venice Biennale. Um, and I was just seeing these amazing works showcased on a TV screen. And I was thinking, uh, like, that's a, like, on scale, that would look epic. And everyone from the traditional artwork who I knew was kind of questioning it because I was like, oh, well, you know, it's a bit like a screensaver. It's an artwork on a screen. I was saying, but yeah, but can you imagine that on scale? So I was banging on for probably about a year to try and get a space and trying to make it happen. And then all of a sudden, I managed to convince Flannels to give us their basement. And they was like, right, okay, we're less, you know, you've got so much traction from the outside. 
you know, we want we obviously want to draw footfall to our store. We think what you're doing doing is amazing. We'll give you the basement. So then it went into right W1 Immersive. We're going to launch this. So I started getting in touch with all the digital artists who were a lot a lot more friendly, should I say? Um, <laughs> I've got to be careful what I say because I've got a lot of friends from the traditional art world as well. But they was a lot more acceptable of what I'm doing and kind of they had the same vision that like, right if we display these artworks in the in the correct format people will understand and get to actually walk into their world so so we launched w1 curates um we launched that with maxim zeskov in august last a year ago in august yeah so a year ago now nearly since then we've collaborated with some phenomenal artists including kid eight um and then we kind of soon realized once we opened the immersive space that you need audio to go with it so we opened, I've been banging on for 12 minutes now. Sorry. No, so please. I we, love we this story. A, I'll, I'll wrap it up pretty quickly. So we launched, a, we've now launched a creative studio in Shoreditch, a smaller immersive space for recording studios. So when people work with us, they do an immersive project. They can use the recording studios. We've got screens in the recording studio, match the art, match the music, use our building in Shoreditch as a creative hub get loads of talent in, do some amazing projects, focus on art-led projects, art, music, art, fashion, use the space as a permanent artist residency with various different collaborations. So we've done some music stuff. We're heavily focused on digital art. Next year, we're going to be really focused on bridging the gap even more so between traditional art and digital art by merging the two together. I love the story so much. And like what stands out to me is the amount of challenge that you seem to have like faced in this and like challenge from technical challenges to acceptance from other people to legal challenges, like real challenges. I'm sure that is just like the tip of the iceberg. And I always say to you, like your motor is like no other, like what was like that core drive and like ambition that kept you going through all of that? Was it the like inspiration to make art more accessible? Was it your belief in digital art? Like, was it a combination of all of it? How did you push through all of that bullshit to realize W1 curates and, and realize all of these amazing spaces? Probably, I just think it's me as a person. If I yeah. say I'm going to do something, I do it. And no matter no matter what happens on the way, like, you know, a lot of artists I work with, I'm just like, yeah, man, let's do it. Shake their hand. And they're like, and all of a sudden they're like, shit, like we done that. And you didn't even like, yeah. it's, it's just, it's just the way I am. It's with everything, with, with sport, with, with whatever I'm doing, I kind of push it 110% and get really blinkered on what I'm doing. And it's, I, you know, I just believe in the space. I believe in what I'm doing. And I really think it's the future. Like I'm convinced mm. everything's going digital loads of brands are reaching out to us loads of people are coming into the space like it's you know it's something i've had in in my mind now for for a long time but it's slowly people are slowly accepting it yeah. and people are slowly realizing that one you, people want to experience stuff it's like the whole world has changed yeah. right you can't just send out a magazine or a flyer and get people hyped about going to a white wall show with artwork on it that some people don't understand that you'd get your, you get your kind of, you, you, you pinpoint your market where with this, it's like, right, let's open it up. Let's get inside an artist's mind. I'll spend a bit of time with the artist working out what 
what they, what makes them click, what they're into, and create make like an artist's brain so people can walk in and be like, do you know what? I didn't understand it before, but now I really get it. And it's fun for kids. It's fun for any age group. I mean, the variety of people we get coming into the gallery is insane. But everyone smiles when they leave. Do you know what I mean? It's for me that's the most the most rewarding thing I get get out of all of it is working with the artists and then showing them the space for the first time. For me, there's 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 nothing like that. It's amazing, and it's also like it's kind of a provocative like concept because when I think of like, and I know we're going to be careful what you said because you have a lot of friends in the traditional art world, but when you think about like highbrow white wall like traditional art, you don't like at least for me i when i enter like galleries or those spaces sometimes most of the time i would say i leave feeling maybe like a little bit inferior or like a lot inferior like i didn't have that sense of like fitting in or that sense of getting it or that sense of connecting to the artist and like you have really like dismantled that idea like you're saying people are leaving the gallery and they've had so much fun and they feel like they are part of that experience they're part of that artist's world it's really amazing when i worked on bond street it was, it was, I mean, the Fine Arts Society was one of the oldest galleries in the UK. I mean, it was, it, it, unfortunately, it's not there anymore, but it was, it was the, you know, the, we were selling masters. It was like, so kind of like, you could hear a pin drop in there, but amazing people. Uh, the gallery was amazing, but it was a bit daunting and you saw people open a door and look in and, you know, they turn around and walk out because you know, maybe they're not knowledgeable in art and they was frightened they're going to be asked the question. Everyone was wearing suits. It was very, as you would think, a really kind of like a gallery that sells masters on, on Bond Street would be like. And I was like, yeah, that always stuck in my mind. So I was like, I want to make it more accessible. I want to bring art to the people rather than people have to come to me. So that's, that's kind of part of, I think that probably that was part of the drive to turn around and kind of make art more accessible for everyone and also to to represent artists in a different way than a gallery and just be you know let's all just build something amazing together let's build together we all get what to where we want to be if we all help each other out rather than sign an artist sell all their artworks your black book runs out of people to to phone up to sell the artworks the artist falls out with the gallery and then either the gallery or the artist you know they there's some kind of friction between the two and I was like well that kind of 50 50 gallery model for me is like it doesn't work it's like you need to build friendships you need to do stuff together every project we do slightly adaptable um and it just it just needs to work for everyone right it's longevity I want longevity I'm gonna take W1 creates global we're talking to loads of different locations around the world um it will go global we'll keep this same motto going forward and just make just make things easy and help people out and use our contacts to help to help artists like Kid A and vice versa. He's got some amazing contacts. We're talking about doing some other stuff together. We can lean on each other's contacts and build something amazing. And, and, and for me, it's I always think what you give, you get back. This is a good like transition into my next question, which is a question that I've heard from so many people like one of the number one things people said to me at the gallery, people have like DM'd me is everybody is like it now dreaming of like working with w1 curates like everybody people are now like especially digital artists in my circle like they 
they're like dying for the chance. So I have to ask the question, like, how do you how do you identify the artists that you want to work with? Like, especially in this first year, it's been so important. Like, what is your process? What type of artist? What type of partnership are you looking for? You know, how can somebody be on the right path to become part of the W1 Curates family someday, hopefully? Half of the point of opening up Shoreditch as well as creating a residency was to support more emerging artists. I'm heavily this year focused on digital art, like really. And for me, there was a few key people just in my eyes, not, not you know, in my eyes, I, I look at art and I think that will look amazing. Like that's, I start to look in that way. I start to picture it, what, what it would look like on our platform. And there's a few artists that I, you know, I just wanted to tick off the box this year. For me, there's there's also a huge community of digital artists that have been doing this for like years and years and years. So while I was messing around with LEDs, these guys are doing album covers. These guys are making videos. These guys are doing this. But in the background, they're also sharing a lot of images and sharing a lot of art and sharing a lot of bits of project that they've done. And in their spare time, they're kind of, you know, I mean, such massive talent, like huge talent. and that for me, there was a certain few people that I kind of learned about on my journey. I didn't know everything about digital art. I, I got, you know, I, I I saw it, I liked it, I believed in it. And then I just kind of started delving more and more into it and building relationships and going to various different gallery shows and Instagram. Instagram's a great one. I spend my life looking through <laughs> pictures and images. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, at the moment, I'm, like I said, I'm focused on who I think for me are really inspirational digital artists who've got a story, who've got something that they can share with someone. Um, you know, we've got, we've, we've had Kid 8, we've got Maxim, uh, Andre Resinger, 6 and 5, G-Monk, Ash Fort, B-Pole, um, Trevor Jones. We're, we've got a collaboration tomorrow, One Day Takeover, with Wimbledon, Refik Anadol, Andy Murray. Um, that's a collaboration between the three of us. That's amazing. So we're kind of ticking these boxes of these amazing artists. But then what I'll do is I'll put a flip on that and I'll start doing what I've done on the exterior of the building when we first opened and use these big talent artists to have, have an artist build a project at, um, at Timber Street, at our studios, and then just throw them in the mix and, and kind of just do things that the, the good thing about us, I can get away with a lot more than what a gallery can because one, there is not many things to compare it to. And two, people, yeah, people just don't expect it. And I've, I've, look, I've been getting away with it. I worked some, with some amazing galleries, the Gagosians, Beepole, Kid A. I've worked with kind of such a variety of, artists i've done music we work we uh, work with damien lazarus done crosstown rebels launch visual we worked with goldie drum and bass so people kind of don't really know what we're doing next so we get away with a lot which is amazing and art art is art is art in what form you look at it in whether it be a mute a music facing art project with amazing visuals in the background telling someone's life story or whether it be an art-led project with a musician who's made the audio for it, 
everyone has a piece in this in building the the project, right? You've got and whoever takes the lead in that is cool. And and that's for me, it, it opens a lot of doors. It opens doors in the fashion world, the music world, the art world, the traditional art world. I mean, it, it pretty much, you know, if it looks visually amazing and it's artistically led, we'll get behind it. And whether that means building projects from scratch with people at our studio, launching it out our studios and then taking it onto Oxford Street, we're we're here to support that. I love that so much. How have you seen, like, in the last, you know, what, 10, 15 years now, and even your time in traditional galleries, how have you seen the digital art movement change? Like, what are some of, like, the most significant kind of, like, canon event moments of change that have happened for the digital art movement, or even, like, the smaller moments that add up to build this, like, digital art revolution that we are, you know, kind of finding ourselves in the middle of right now? The thing that no one likes to talk about a lot is the huge NFT wave or digital artists don't really talk about it no more or a lot or want to be associated with it because they're digital artists. I, for me, it was like there was a massive boom of these, of digital art. Mm -hmm. It was attached to an NFT because that was the way that they were selling digital art. It blew up and it blew up so quick that and, and to be right, to be fair, it wasn't the only thing that was blowing up. The prices of cars, watches, luxury goods were, were booming at the same time. Crypto, Bitcoin, everything went up. And it went up so quick that it had to come down, right? It had to come down. So for me, the first important moment was the huge wave of NFT art and it going up. And we was just we was just doing drawings for the gallery at this time and then and then it kind of the bubble burst a bit but to be fair i'm glad it did because there was a lot of chances putting stuff out there earning a lot of money um good luck to them but for me you could see that it weren't going to last long because you know and there was a separation between these amazing artists but some people were getting onto these collectives and just, you know, and overnight they was earning a load, of, a load of money. And some of the art for me, I don't think was that great. But then you had these amazing artists who were doing amazing stuff and also going up. But it had to burst, right? So, so it burst and, and, and things started to go down. And the same with traditional art. There's traditional art went up. Everything went up. And then it, then it started to level out. So we actually... We actually went into building the gallery after it leveled out. Like we was we 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 opened in August, and it took four months to build it. So we was way on the back end of it happening. But I I believe in it. So we carried on. So that so that kind of bubble burst a little bit, and then there's a, been a bit of a kind of a flat moment. And I believe now we're seeing now we're seeing it come back. But during this time, these amazing artists really deserve to be noticed mm. are still doing their thing are still mm. putting art out are still for me for them nothing changed for me that i really feel that for them okay they wasn't getting the sales as big as they was getting but it was a reset in the market so the market's reset itself it's gone back to how it should be it's got rid of a load of artists that i feel were taking it for granted and they're either on holiday live or living in Barbados or they're, or they're just not doing their thing anymore or the custom's not there. But these, 
the, these amazing artists are still, they're still around. They're still doing their thing. And I want to support those artists, make it known, get them out there. Mm. And yeah, and they are digital artists. And it's just, re for me, it's really unfortunate that, and like for me personally, I'll probably get a load of criticism for this, but I think NFTs are amazing and can be used for amazing things. Mm. In the gallery, we used to spend months, if not years, trying to find provenance of old pictures by using the internet, by looking at the back of pictures, a certain stamp of a gallery and stuff like that. And it was a job. It was a job in itself to do that. So I think like NFTs, blockchain and stuff, has got is has got its importance in in art because it's registered it's there and it will be there forever so i think that's really important and i always to be fair i always looked at digital artists as digital artists and they are digital artists so just because you know the nfts have got a bad name for the moment and people associate with art I, you know once they once people get more knowledgeable they realize it was just a way of selling it you can you know, you can sell digital art with a receipt. You can sell it with a, you know, some sort of provenance and a certificate. Um, it doesn't have to be attached to that. So I think for me, they're, they're the two key moments. And I think now the, another key moment is the excitement about where this is going. The amount of people sniffing around what's going on, what's the future, where's it going? And, and helping these Look, a lot of artists got knocked through this. A lot of artists got their confidence really knocked by thinking, yeah. wow, all of a sudden I'm so in demand. And then next minute, oh, what, what, you know, what's happened here? And it's just, you know, I've, I like to kind of work with people and give them, you know, some people who haven't got the confidence, just say, look, you're, you're fucking amazing. Let's just, let's do something and try it again. And touch wood, lucky enough for me, it's... Uh, We've always had a great show and it's always gone on to be, be amazing, but I believe in it. And if I believe in it and I think someone's amazingly talented, I'll back them 100%. Not, not, that it, not that it means anything being backed by W1Q8 or what we're doing, but it's just, you know, some people just need that little bit of confidence. Some people just need to get out there. I wouldn't be where I, I am if someone didn't help me along the line. Like everyone needs a bit of help. And I think now the important thing that's the, the, the third thing that sticks out for me is encouraging these artists to do more work, encouraging them to get out there and helping, like using W1 Curates as a platform, yeah. hooking people up. Who can I work with? Who can I link this person with? Mm. And for me, we want longevity. And for us, if we a little part of loads of things, then it's going to grow into something massive and not trying to own it. It's like, right, what's... What ticks your buttons? What do you want to do? What did you miss out on? How can we help that happen? And just being part of it. So I'm mega excited about where we are now. And I'm really glad about everything that's happened, to be fair, because I just think it needed to happen. And now everyone's, you know, everyone's thinking a bit, bit different. I've had some knocks in the past, but companies that didn't work, did work. And, you know, everyone needs a bit of a knock when things are going too well, just to kick them back to reality. And I think everyone's a bit more grounded. You know, you've got seriously people. These guys, you know, these artists now are taking up a lot of values from the traditional art world where if you walk into a gallery to buy a certain artwork, a blue chip gallery of a certain level, you'd get vetted to buy the artwork and you would, right. people would be like, okay, what have you got in your collection? What's this? What that? What's that? And 
these digital artists are now like, do you know what? This is where I see my collection sitting. These are coll the collectors I'd like to collect. And they're picking who they want. And I think that's amazing because, you know, they're, you know, it's, it's like they're kind of trying to stop the secondary market. They're picking the collectors they want to be in, the collections they want to be in. They're making, making kind of waves with like various like pace gallery and stuff like that. And I just, for me, I just, it's mega exciting, mega, mega exciting. It's amazing. And W1, like you specifically, like as a person and this company, this platform, this experience that you've built is such a launch pad. Like people don't understand like what it does for the artist, for the community, for you, for everybody involved. Like until you go there and you are part of that event and that experience, like you just don't, you can't, like, I'm tearing up. You know me, I'm such a crier. Like, you don't get what that really, like, what that really does for you. And I think it's interesting, like, not to dwell too much on, like, the Web3 or Metaverse stuff, but the fact that, like, W1 Curates came about at a time where a lot of people were also thinking about, okay, how do we, how do we showcase digital art? And they were immediately just, like, defaulting to the Metaverse. They're like, oh, let's, do it inside of a digital space, like show digital art and, and on a metaverse gallery and whatever, whatever. But they're not thinking about how like you're condensing these pixels and the colors and the resolutions and just like you're not creating a vibe or an experience. And that's what W1 does. Like, and it, it's really cool that while everybody was like going left into this space, like into this metaverse galleries, you were going right into saying like, no, digital art still exists and needs to be seen and experienced in the real world. It's like it's, it's really incredible. It's amazing. Well done. Thank you. Do you have any thoughts on like the metaverse gallery, like trend and fad of it all, like building out those metaverse galleries and what people were saying? Was anybody coming to you and being like, oh, you should be doing this in Decentraland or Sandbox or VR or whatever? Yeah, I mean, look, we've 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 got uh, we've got Maxim Zeskov, who's one of our resident artists. He's got a residency in our studio. He's building some amazing VR stuff. It's a great way to share share your artworks in a gallery form. It's a great way to to meet people. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's amazing. But for me, it's it's always been about an experience and taking the art to the people who don't really, you know, everyone can appreciate art. Everyone can appreciate a project that's nice, and you can physically see the work that goes into it. And that connection with seeing something in person feeling it the emotion touching on all the senses and watching someone's face enjoy it for me is like uh, I, I, it's second to none so so i wanted to do it in in a in a in a format that you can experience it rather than experience it via headset and actually have that interaction with people that's that's the important thing for me Totally. So one thing, another thing that I picked up on or that I was told while we were having the Kid Aid event and while we were there is that people were like repeat visitors. Like they were, I was talking to people that were like, every time W1 has a launch party, a show, an event, I'm there. Like I'm here for it. Obviously you're building your own community. You have been over the last year. Artists bring in their own communities. Like Tell me a bit about what that's like when these these like two different 
community funnels come together and like have the greatest night ever at the gallery space on Oxford Street? Probably the free booze, to be fair. <laughs> that <laughs> is a good point. That is a good point uh, in London. Everyone's coming for a free drink before they go out. Uh, I love yeah. that. No, it's um, every artist have got their own own following. We're building up uh, a, a little community within London. Glo globally, we're building up a community of people. And yeah, it's great. I mean, look, it's amazing. People come, they come to enjoy themselves. A lot of people are, are texting our our kind of our rollout mail out list is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Everyone's invited. They're always a free launch party. You know, we do some closed door stuff, but we you know we tend to try and invite everyone we can. Um, it's a community. It's a it's a big bunch of people enjoying art, enjoying the space, believing in the space from all walks of life there's not one you can't stereotype a person who comes to the gallery on one time it's always a different person on a different mission you know it, it varies so much i mean it's just it varies from one thing to another we do, like i say we're doing music stuff we've just done something with uh noel gallagher where he's he launched his high flying birds at the studio goldie seth troxter coming up damien Lazarus. Um, we had, um, we had, uh, who did we have? We had an amazing DJ who I've completely forgot his name, play for, uh, play at the B-Pole event. So we're kind of, we're making it a bit more fun, like not your traditional gallery opening, you know, let's have a glass of wine, let's stand and right. like, let's have some fun. Let's celebrate this moment. Let's all join together and, you know, and give it, give it something where everyone goes away and remembers it. And then we'll follow it up. Sometimes we have a panel talk or. We've just started doing our own podcast set within a space talking about art uh, and the artist that's on the screens. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many different layers to what we're doing. It's like, it, and I let the artist choose what they want to do. It's like, right, he, these, this, is, this is everything that's available. What do you want to do? And they can, they can pick whatever they want to do and we'll support them, you know, whether it be panels, podcasts, event, don't want event. Like it's, for me, it's, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all a different experience and it's all a different way of touching people and becoming relevant by doing different things to different communities, I think, which is why we're getting a bit of a bit of a following. That's amazing. Um, so your like your contacts, your friends, your network in the traditional art world, like what is are they warming up to or like wanting to like innovate and expand into like having more screens and creating more like digital representation and showcasing in their galleries? Or are they still kind of behind without hurting anybody's feelings? Like, I'm just curious about what they're now that they know you, they've seen you do it. They've seen the success, the vibe, the community that you've created. What is how is that like rippling through your network and your personal community and connections? A lot more questions, a lot more, there's a lot more questions, there's a lot more interest. Are people delving into it? Some galleries, yes, probably 20% out of the 100 galleries. When you're going to these big art shows like Art Basel and 
maybe freeze and things like that, you're seeing, I think, look, the whole of, I think at the whole of Art Basel in the main, main contemporary exhibition space, from the top of my head, the only digital artwork I think that was in there was Studio Drift, which was presented by Pace Gallery. So it's creeping in and people are, and I hope, I really hope we see more this year, but it's, and that's with galleries, like galleries supporting, say it's like, we've got this booth, we want to put a digital artwork in there. So it's gradually creeping in. I think I'd like to say there'll be more this year. Um, people are getting more interested. Look, some are going to stay in their lane. Some are going to be like, look, this is what we do and that's it. And, you know, but, but yeah, there's a lot more interest. There's a lot more artists from the galleries reaching out to us saying, oh, I wouldn't mind exhibiting my work in this way or trying this than the galleries themselves. I believe that fully. Yeah, I mean, why why wouldn't they? I think Kitty and I talked about this when he was on my podcast. Even for me, like two years ago or whatever, I was like, oh, babe, someday when you're showing at Sotheby's or, you know, Christie's or whatever. And now like that felt like it was like this, this like, expectation not expectation but this like standard or this like this bar to reach like a milestone and now we're we're feeling like you know we over the last two years became so like i guess disillusioned or disenfranchised by that whole by those institutions and how they were kind of treating the digital artists or treating the I guess like the crypto art movement. And now it, it really is about like the vibe and the people that you want to associate yourselves with. Like it's not about insti wanting to associate yourself with an institution. It's about wanting to be a part of a team of a family, a group of people where we can have these conversations face to face and spend real time together. And I think that is just like an effect of, of the world that we've been living in. Like we really need to have that connectivity and that that human experience together and we need to have fun yeah that, i mean look they're opening up i mean all of the all of the institutions you've just and 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 auction houses you've just mentioned they're all featuring digital art they're all they are. having digital art sales they're all getting involved in it and they're reaching out to collectors to help them with that and people who are knowledgeable within the space so look it's happening it's happened and i think the good thing about digital artists, they all represent themselves. There's not really any managers in the space, really, right. to be fair. A lot of them represent themselves or they'll be doing it with someone really close to them. So everyone's got their everyone's best interest at heart. So if something don't work, they just won't do it. If it seems good for, uh, for, for artist awareness or brand awareness or whatever they're, they're modeling themselves as, mm -hmm. I just think, I think there's a lot more opportunity for digital artists than traditional art. A traditional artist wouldn't necessarily, I think, go out there and start marketing themselves without, their goal is, right, I need to get to a blue chip gallery. Right. I need to be, you know, Gagosian level or get to that level. And the majority of people, there's not a lot of people that happen, that happens for, you know. So maybe some of them stay in their lane where the world's your oyster with, with with what we're involved in right it means where does it stop where where can it go to what can you know what but like i said i keep saying brands but they're everywhere they just want to be involved and they can see that it's cool 
and these the collaborations that are coming out of the digital space with with big brands is epic i mean it's just i think it's amazing it is amazing okay and on that note i don't know if this was if tell me if this is like top secret information that we talked about or if you can talk about it but I know that W1 Curates is looking to become kind of like a creative partner with brands to connect them with artists, to build out exhibitions, to help make these campaigns have more of a like art focused reach and impact. Can you talk a little bit about that or was that a secret? <laughs> well, it was, but it's not anymore, is it? No, not really. It's... Uh... <laughs> It's, yeah. No, it's, it's just it's just another another piece of the puzzle to the box, right? I mean, it's just it's the obvious. It's we're working with a lot of a lot of brands, a lot of high a lot of high luxury brands. We're Richard Mill, um, Montclair. We've done something with Creed, Bauman, um, loads of brands. We've worked behind the scenes on stuff with and a lot of them some of them were in-house creative agencies some of them haven't 70% of the projects we do at W1 Curates we're building ourselves we've got I don't even know like 700 I think maybe maybe more screens globally where we work with lots of luxury brands some of it's just uploading content and managing content some of it's helping build content creating content and the, and the next thing is oh what, what can you you know they're like oh can you suggest an artist that will go with this this is our mood board or this is that so it's like right okay why don't we why don't we also try and help a lot of digital artists who a lot of them have come from kid eight build album covers stuff like that doing all the creative for that or other other visual artists who have done like vr or whatever and just have this big black book of artists where we can turn around when a brand comes along and says, right, this is the field we're looking for. And nine times out of 10, they kind of know what they're looking for to say, right, okay, yeah, look, this artist will work well. So, you know, maybe the art, maybe it might not be a direct brand and artist collaboration, but the artist can work behind the scenes to build something amazing. The, the dream would be that the brand works with the artist and it's a proper collab. But if not, a lot of the, like I said, a lot of these artists have gone to a, into a bit of a rabbit hole and they're kind of like, don't know what to do next or they're a little bit shook up by the market changing or whatever. It's another opportunity for them to kind of build a bit of confidence and do a project and get kind of get their mojo back a little bit. So, and also a lot of, like a lot of artists, like six and five, he's, I mean, he's done tons of stuff. Andre Resinger's done tons of stuff. Maxim Zeskov, worked with loads of brands. And they're all kind of friends. So, you know, if we can, if we can help and be part of that and being a people who in, introduces people to someone who introduces people to each other and these brands want to use our space as well. So it's like, what, how can you help? How can you build it? It makes total sense to have like W1 Curates Creative as a, as a, as an agency that helps put these, put these pieces together and like just solidifies that puzzle where go to w1 creates no matter what you want they'll get you hooked up and that's and they will. that's the next step and they will indeed i love that thank you so much you heard it here first i broke the news 
<laughs> the big secrets out. Okay, before we go, tell everybody, tell me, tell listeners, what are some projects, some collaborations, some exciting things that you have in the pipeline with W1 Curates besides everything else you just told, like events, artists, launches, everything, so people can stay tapped in? Okay, so tomorrow we got a one-day takeover in um, in line with Wimbledon, with Refik Anadol, Andy Murray, one day only, come to the space, enter the competition, which we're going to release tonight. I think at some stage it might have gone out already, where you can win uh, a free artwork by Refik. That's on for one day. Kid 8 is on for the whole month. Come down, see that, check it out. It's amazing. There's some super cool sculptures there as well. Then we've got Fuck Render launching in, who's actually also putting a sculpture in, um, launching in August. Then we have got G Monk launching after that. All of these have got um, launch nights associated with them. We have then got Ash Fork during Freeze. Couple of bits of twists going on. Freeze Week. Freeze Week, we're going to go big. There's probably going to be event. Oh, yes. an event every day of Freeze Week. There'll be, our, there'll be a bit of a dinner. There'll be some panel talks. And there'll be a huge party at the end with... Um, with a wicked DJ. Yeah, I can't wait. It's not 100% confirmed, but this is going to be sick. We will uh, definitely be that. there. I can't wait. I'm saving myself. I'm prepping my liver now. <laughs> Family. Family. That's yes, it. I love it. Get well, thank you. Plans. Yes, you right. know we will. You know I will. Well, thank you so much, Mark. I have taken up so much of your time the last 11 months preparing for Kid Aid's show and this hour included. And I'm going to be taking up way more of your time in the future because we are so locked in. But thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you. Your motor never stops. It amazes me. Thanks for the chat. Amazing. Love you, you and Kid Aid. Um, yeah, it's been amazing. Like I say, you build amazing friendships on the way and you and Kid Aid are one of them. So thanks a lot. Have a lovely evening. Cheers to that. The Carson Daily Show is a essential media production. Please follow this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate me five stars, share it with your friends and foes, and DM me any questions you have. You can find and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carson Daily and the show's dedicated Instagram at The Carson Daily Show. Carson Daily.